0: I want to talk today about victorious living. In fact, I want to talk about victorious living for the next couple of weeks. And uh, today, I want to specifically highlight on the first point, and that first point, in order to live a victorious life, we must make a decision to not quit. Don't quit. Don't quit is what I'm going to talk about, and it starts with having a decision made before you start something that I am not going to quit. I will not. In order to flourish and thrive in life, in order to live a victorious life, we must make that quality choice and that decision before you start it, that I will not quit. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap if we do not give in. When it, the temptation is there to quit, to throw in the towel... We have to make a quality choice and a decision to wait it out. To not let our emotions lead us at those moments. But to make a decision to say, you know what? The Apostle Paul said that if I am not willing to faint, if I'm not willing to throw in the towel or give in or give up, then I will reap if I faint not. So he's trying to encourage us to say, you know, the best days are still ahead of you if you don't quit. Can I let you in on a little secret right now? Do you want to know how to win in life? You choose to get back up. When the enemy hits you with his best shot, you simply make a decision to get back up. Today, it's time to conquer the temptation to quit. It could be marriage. It could be family relationship. It could be a career. It could be a business. It could be multiple things. But today, God's saying to you, it's time to conquer the temptation to quit. It's time to stand up, to get back up. Don't use your past to define your future. I once heard 90% of all first-time businesses actually fail. But did you know that 90% of all second-time businesses actually succeed? And here's the interesting fact that goes with that. 80% of those who started one business and failed never tried a second time. And yet the statistics are 90% of those who attempt to make another effort, will actually succeed in business. I ran across a poem that I thought was interesting. I wanted to share it with you today. I just thought it was intriguing. Called Don't Quit. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when funds are low and the debts are high, and you want to smile, but instead you sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is strange with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a failure turns about when he might have won if he had stuck it out. Don't give up, through the, though the pace seems slow, you may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he learned too late when the night slipped down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems afar. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse. That you mustn't quit. Isn't that good? That's a really good poem. Thomas Edison said these words. He said, many, many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Did you know Dr. Billy Graham came close to giving up after his first message? He actually was about to quit. He had prepared four sermons, but he was so nervous the first time he spoke that he preached all four sermons in less than 10 minutes. (laughs) Just think if Dr. Billy Graham had quit, had given up. I don't believe the world would be like it is today with so many wonderful Christians and believers around the world. George Foreman, two-time heavyweight champion of the world, he said these words, I know from experience you should never give up no matter what. One theme in scripture I believe that all believers should have under their belt is Micah chapter 7, verse 8. And it says these words, Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 15 through 16. I love this. In the message translation it reads, Don't interfere with good people's lives. Don't try to get the best of them. No matter how many times you trip them up, God-loyal people don't stay down long. Soon, they're up on their feet, while the wicked end up flat on their faces. Isn't that good? God-loyal people don't stay down long. In other words, they understand this principle. In order to beat the devil, in order to win the enemy, all they have to do is just get back up again. Jesus said these words in Mark chapter 9, verse 23. All things are possible to him who believes. In the message translation, he says, if there's no ifs, anything can happen. Anything can happen. In other words, what Jesus is saying that faith, as long as we keep our faith, anything will become possible. Philippians 4.13 reminds us that we're not on our own. We don't have to do this on our own, that we have a partner and his name is Jesus. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. This tells you and I right now that you can do whatever you set your faith to do. You can do whatever you set your faith to do. God has a great, big, wonderful dream. And yes, I understand that life has its twists and it has its turns. But if you will continue to keep your faith, God will make the crooked ways even straight, the scripture says. God has a bright future for you. We just have to make the decision not to quit. He can turn anything around. He can work all things together for your good. Your decision is just get back up if you got knocked down. I love this story of our pastor, the one who ordained Amy and I, who sent us up here to this ministry to start High Point Church. And his name is Dr. Jerry Seville. Many of you have come to love and respect him. He's known all over as an author that's written over probably 70 books and internationally recognized uh, with his television ministry and with multiple hundreds and hundreds, really, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of churches that have been come up under uh, with their missions that they do in Africa and the church, the Bible schools, and everything that they started. He has impacted literally the world. But did you know that's not how it started for him? I remember him sharing with Amy and I one time. He said, when I first started preaching... He said there was one specific moment that I was in a makeshift situation where they kind of just had this whole little thing set up for me to get up and speak. And he said they set up this little stage that wasn't very big. It was just with some plywood. And they couldn't get everything on the stage, so they put the drum set just off the stage. And he said, I got so excited preaching to everybody that I didn't realize how short the stage really was. And he said, I fell off. And I fell into the bass, the drum bass. He said, I was sitting there with my legs and my feet up in the air like this. Just, you know, just stuck. His butt was in the drum base. I mean, he was just there looking up. At the, and he's thinking to himself, God, what do I do? And he heard the Holy Spirit say, get up. He said, well, this is embarrassing. He said, just act like nothing happened. So he got back up and he started preaching and started preaching. And he went on and preached a great sermon. At the end of the service, this little lady came up to him and said, Brother Jerry, are you okay? <laughs> Why, yes, ma'am. Why do you ask? Well, I noticed you fell into the drum. You fell off the stage. Are you okay? He said, Yes, ma'am. He said, But did you notice my recovery, my rebound, and how I got back up so quick? Brother Jerry, uh, do you do that often? <laughs> <laughs> no, ma'am. Did you notice how I got back up? My rebound, how I got back up so quickly. Brother Jerry, do I need to pray for you? Is everything okay? Your, your balance and everything, your eye, hand coordination, all is that? Yes, ma'am. Did you notice how I got back up? And his point was that so many people, including Christians, focus on the fall rather than the rebound getting back up. It's kind of like if we were to be walking outside and trip and fall, And there were people around, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit down, on the? you're going to just stay there, and somebody comes up and says, hey, let me help you up. No, no, I'm sure God has a reason for me to be down here. (laughs) I'm sure he's teaching me something right now. No, you're going to just wipe the dust off, you're going to jump up and hope to God that nobody even saw you. But yet, so many Christians are focused on the fall rather than talking about the getting back up. And God wants you to highlight today, don't focus on the falls. Focus on how he's got you back up, how he's got you back on your feet again. How look at you, look at where you're at today. Look at how far God has brought you. Just think, even three years ago, some of you, if you told your friends that you'd be sitting at church worshiping God, they would laugh at you. Like, what? You? Worshiping God? You? Going to church? Mm Mm-hmm. Look at how far God has brought you. Yes, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all made mistakes. We have all sinned. We have all fallen in one way, shape, or another. But don't focus on the falls. Focus on the fact that you're back up, you're on your feet again. Here you are. You're worshiping God. You're going to church. You're reading the Bible. You're taking time to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. You're getting to know him. Make failure unacceptable. How? Get back up. The only people that fail in life are the ones that make the decision to quit. I love what Vince Lombardi once said, head coach of the Green Bay Packers years ago. He said, when the game was over and they had lost the game, and a reporter came up to him immediately after the game and said, Vince, Coach Lombardi, uh, what's it like, what does it feel like to, to lose? he said, we didn't lose. We just simply ran out of time. In other words, he understood that that was just one game, but it wasn't the battle. There's still more games to play. There's still more ground to take. There's still more touchdowns to go after. I remember, and I've shared this before, and I think it just really bears repeating, but when I was in high school and I played some football in high school, I remember specifically my good friend, who was the fullback, he was so fun to watch. He was probably about four to five inches shorter than me, He's, so he was really a tall guy. Um, <laughs> but he was one of these guys that had legs like trunks of a tree. He was just massive, and boy, he could just plow through the line of scrimmage like it was no one's business. Now, I remember our coaches instructing us, saying, whatever you do, don't quit moving your legs. And one time in particular, I was playing halfback, and I ran to the side pretending to get a pass, and they actually handed the ball to the fullback, which was my friend, and he ran right up through the line of scrimmage. Well, it looked like he got no ground because everybody, it looked like everybody, all 11 people were on top of him, and it looked like, I mean, I, I didn't fake him out, and neither did anybody else. They were right there, all over him. And I thought, why are the referees not blowing the whistle? I mean, what are they trying to do? I mean, this guy's getting creamed right now. I mean, everybody's like all over my buddy and they're like creaming him right now. Why don't you blow the whistle? And they just wouldn't blow the whistle. The referees were seeing something I wasn't seeing. And so I began to examine a little more closely and I noticed these legs going like this among all these other legs. And I thought, what in the world? And here it was my buddy. He just wouldn't quit moving his legs. And before he knew it, he broke through all of these guys and he ran for a touchdown. I mean, the crowd went wild. It was an amazing, amazing, amazing touchdown. It was an amazing, heroic moment that I thought, wow, what a message. If we as God's people would make the decision... Don't quit moving your legs. Keep moving forward. If you do, momentum becomes your friend and you'll bust through anything, kind of like a blade of grass coming up through concrete or pavement. I mean, how does it do it? It's persistence. Pays off. Consistency is where the power lies. Momentum truly can be your friend if you just don't quit. Winston Churchill was invited to speak at a college one time. And the president over the school instructed the men, said, now this is one of the most world's famous men. I want you to prepare. Bring your notebooks. Be ready to take notes. They were fully expecting a full disclosure. I mean, just an absolute wonderful, uh, just letting him to give just a powerful, dynamic, lengthy message. Well, Winston Churchill got there. He stood up, and he said this to all of them. He said, gentlemen, never, never, never quit. Thank you for your attention. And he walked off the stage. That was it. That was his message. And it later became known as one of the most famous messages that have ever been preached, ever been spoken. Never, never, never quit. Keep pressing forward. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 31, if you continue in my word. In other words, the key word here is continue. There's some, they'll pick up the Bible, they'll read it every once in a while, but Jesus is saying, now here's the key. If you want to succeed, if you want to be my disciples, if you want to live a victorious life, then you've got to continue. Because with consistency is where the power lies. Let momentum become your friend. If you keep building the momentum, if you've got a freight train and you put just a little bit in front of it before it's moving, it's not going to be able to move. But now once you get a freight train moving, you can't even put brick walls to stop that thing. That's what happens is when you've got the force of the Holy Spirit working with you, you've got the word and you're continuing continuing. In the word of God, if you make a decision, I'm not going to quit. This may not be the easiest thing for you to hear today. This may not be exactly what you wanted to hear today. Because you've been thinking about throwing in the towel. You've been thinking about giving up on that marriage or that family or that relationship or that career or whatever it is. And I'm not asking you to do it on your own. But I am asking you to not quit. I'm going to give you, in just a moment, Three reasons why many quit. Why many people quit. Before I do, I wanted to share with you, there is a ministry today that shared not long ago that in the first probably two to three decades of its ministry era, time, It was pushing, it was like it felt like they were pushing, 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 pushing. It was always constantly believing, believing, believing for miracles. And just, it seemed like it was so hard all the time. And the Lord gave them an analogy one time, and it wasn't that long ago, that it was like exactly pushing up a boulder up a massive hill. That him and his wife were pushing up this massive boulder, up this big hill, and boy, it was hard. But the Lord showed them in a dream, in this, in this dream, that they were close to the top. And watch out, because as soon as the boulder releases and goes down the hill, they're going to have a hard time keeping up with the boulder. That was Andrew and Jamie Womack. And I look at their life and I look at the magnitude of their ministry today and I think they can't even keep up with it anymore. They pushed and they pushed and they pushed and they pushed for the first 20, 30 years of that ministry and they just kept pushing and it was hard going oftentimes. But once they got to the top, it went down and today they are having a very difficult time keeping up with their ministry. There's so much favor, so much grace, so much success, so much blessing that they can't even handle and uh, have room for it all. And they're a blessing to the entire world as a result. I'm going to give you three reasons why many people quit. And before I share these three reasons, I want you to think of this. Don't be average, and your life won't be average. Don't be average, and your life won't be average. Let me give you one more quote. You can't achieve million-dollar dreams on a minimum wage work ethic. You can't achieve million-dollar dreams on a minimum wage work ethic. Now, I'm going to give you quickly three, three reasons why many people quit. Number one, they are not convinced yet that God will keep his word. That's the bottom line. They are not convinced yet that God will keep his word. Our pastor, Jerry Seville, uh, said this to the Lord one time. He asked him a question. He said, Lord, can, I know that Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says that now faith is a substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. I understand the definition of, of faith from the word of God. But can you give me another revelation, an understanding of maybe another definition of the word faith? And the Lord spoke to him and said these words to him. And I thought this is, this is really a great, great definition. Another definition that just kind of builds the foundation of that. God said these words to him. He said, it's a deep conviction of the reality that it is impossible for God to lie. It is a deep conviction of the reality that it is impossible for God to lie. In other words, God's word is his bond. That he is loyal to his word. In Titus chapter 1, verse 2, it says, God cannot lie. It actually literally says, He cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. It's not that he chooses not to, it's impossible. He can't lie. It's just not even part of who he is, it's not his character. God cannot lie. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, it backs it up. But once again, it says, It's impossible for God to lie. God can't lie. So in other words, you are what God says you are. You can have what God says you have. And you can do what God says you can do. God cannot lie. He is held to his word. He is loyal to his word. He would destroy himself before he would ever allow for a lie to come out of him, which he can't even do that. He would literally destroy himself. He's bonded to his word to the point that he would destruct Self-destruct if he ever lied. So just know, God cannot, and it's impossible for him to lie. He will not destroy himself. He, he just won't. He's not going to go down that path. He's a good God. But he promises you that all of his promises are yes and amen. And he cannot lie. So if you've ever thought that God can lie, you've got to get that out of your mind. The Bible says the father of lies is Satan. So if you want to know who's lying... Who's stealing and killing and destroying? Jesus said in John 10.10, it's the thief, it's the enemy who's come to steal, kill, and destroy. He is the father of lies. He's the opposite of God. So, in other words, if the enemy is telling you you're about to go under, your marriage is about to fall apart, you're, you're, you're going under financially, whatever it is, going on and on, he's the father of lies, so whatever he tells you, just believe the opposite. Have you ever had anybody like that in your life? Don't uh, look at them right now if they're sitting next to you. But you know what I'm talking about? The opposite, whatever they say, you've always been like, man, that's totally not God. And every time they say something, you just do the opposite because you know whatever they said is totally the opposite of what God would say. If you've ever been in those shoes, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, there are people sometimes that we are around in life that whatever they say, you just know to do the opposite because they're always saying the opposite of what God says. Now, hopefully it's none of us. Hopefully we know better than that. Hopefully we're always speaking the truth. Hopefully we're always saying what God says and we're not filled with doubt and unbelief that when we speak, we speak words of edification, exhortation, encouragement, where we build one another up, that we speak life and blessing, we speak the truth. And we stay on God's side. But it is impossible for God to lie. Stay on God's side. He can never miss it. We could, we could miss it, but God can never miss it. He is a father that cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie. Satan is the liar. We understand that from the Bible. Jesus cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie. Okay? So just know that you've got a strong foundation, a strong foundation with God. So become convinced that whatever God says, you can believe it. Number two, they are unwilling to wait. They are unwilling to wait. Have you ever met anybody like that? Now, don't nudge a person next to you. You know exactly what I'm talking about. They are not willing to wait. They grew up in this microwave generation. They might be a millennial. I mean, they are just no way, no how. I'm not going to the top of the mountain uh, in 20 years. I want on the top of the mountain now. And I'm not going to go through all that you know, stuff to get there. And they want the silver platter. You know what I'm saying? None of our millennials here in this church are like that. But I know exactly that you know what I'm talking about. That they want to push a button. The people possibly that you know in your life, they're just like, I want it now and I'm not waiting. And they're just not willing to wait. So this is one of the reasons why a lot of people quit. They get discouraged because they just don't want to wait they haven't developed patience and my challenge of course is for the church to stay your course that's where the blessings are hebrews chapter 6 verse 12 it says that you do not become sluggish but imitate those who through faith and say it with me say it again would you patience, patience. inherit the what the promises so it's faith and patience that we inherit the promises not just faith it's faith And patience. Patience doesn't mean that you sit back and you do nothing. It means keeping your faith active. It means like I believe that I receive God's promises and I will wait, even if that means for the rest of eternity, I will wait believing that I have already received it. And when you're willing to wait forever, your miracle will come much quicker. Be willing to stand much longer. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 through 36 Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So once again, keep the confidence. Don't throw in the towel. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Amy just quoted this just a moment ago. I love this in the Amplified Version, though. Read with me up on the screens if you can follow along. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God, so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day, Of danger in having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So one way, of course, that we live a victorious life is number one, we choose not to quit. We have to be willing to believe that what God has said is final truth, is final authority. If He said it, then it's done deal. And really, number two, we have to be willing to be patient. People who quit are the ones that are not fully convinced that God that God is truth is telling the truth. They're not willing to believe that God is going to keep his word. And number two, they're not willing to wait. They're not willing to wait. They have not developed their patience. Number three, they don't invest quality time in fellowship with God and His Word. These are the three primary reasons. I'm not saying they're the only reasons. But these are the three primary reasons people quit in life is they are not taking the quality time that they need to fellowship with God and His Word. They get in a hurry again. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. I love some of these scriptures. I'm just going to give you a few for now. Now, I'm turning you over to God, our marvelous God whose gracious Word can make you into what He wants you to be and give you everything you could possibly need in this community of holy friends. Jesus always painted this picture very clearly for us. Matthew six thirty three, even for example, seek first the kingdom of God, then all these things will be added unto us. In other words, take that quality time, be with him. Uh, King David said, "Early in the morning, I will seek the Lord." There's something about quality time. I'm not suggesting quantity time, but oftentimes quantity goes into quality. If you don't give enough time to God and his word, you are going to deplete yourself and you're going to suffer for the neglect of your relationship with the creator. You cannot do it in your own strength. And the more we come to realize how weak we are without him, the the better off we're going to be. But if we come to the point where we realize, I can't even take my next breath without Jesus. I need you, Jesus. And I'm not going to take off running, starting my day without giving you quality time. Quality time in your word to let you minister to me, to speak to me through your word, and just to minister to me about maybe the plans that you have for me, or at least allowing me just to love and worship on you. Because there's something about making him a priority, putting him in his word first place, that everything else will be added Unto this, is this helping anybody right now? Proverbs 28, verse 20, it says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. And Psalm 92, verse 12, I love the voice translation. It says, Those who are devoted to God will flourish like budding date palm trees, they will grow strong and tall like cedars in Lebanon. Once again, another translation actually says, The faithful shall flourish. The faithful will flourish. Let me give you a definition of flourish so you can kind of get excited about this because all you have to do is do your part and just simply focus on doing quality time with the Lord and watch what happens, the blessings you will abound and you will flourish. It says the word flourish means to thrive, to increase, to enlarge. I'm going slow because I see people writing all these words down. Thrive, increase, enlarge, to grow, to prosper, to abound to spread out to expand to make steady progress and to be at a high point in one's life anybody need me to repeat that okay i'll go real quick flourish once again means thrive increase enlarge to grow to prosper to abound to spread out to expand to make steady progress and to be at a high point In one's life. In other words, when we keep Christ in His Word first place, He will bring us to a flourishing finish in life. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, in the message translation, it says, There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. God's desire and dream for your life is that you would come to a flourishing finish in your course here on the earth. And the way we do it, once again, is we've got to take God at his word. We've got to know that he cannot lie. We've got to be developed in patience. Faith and patience inherits the promises of God. And thirdly, we have to make that decision to say, Jesus, I can't do this without you. You are first place in my life. I've got to make quality time for you, each and every single day. I love the, uh, the time when Billy Graham came out of his office after praying for a long, lengthy period of time, actually. He had been praying, and he came out of his office, and his staff immediately greeted him and said, Dr. Graham, we've got a very big day ahead of us. And they began to go on describing one thing right after another. The list was massive. And Dr. Graham said these words. He said, would you excuse me? I need to pray. I'm not talking about neglecting, but that was a man of God who understood that prayer, seeking God, being with God would make a difference and would make his life a lot more simple and more enjoyable. Jesus said his yoke and his burden would be light and easy. When your life is not light and easy, And it seems like a burden, and I was sensing that when I was praying for you this morning, that there are some, and maybe even many of you, that are feeling spread thin as moms, possibly as dads. You just feel this heavy burden, this stress in your life, and you just feel like, Sean, I get what you're saying, I really want to have more time with Jesus, but I just don't know where to fit that time in. Or it's like, yeah, I, I, get, I get what you're saying. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better wife. I want to be a better mom. And it's just, I feel like I'm spread so thin in my life, in my career, in my calling, and everything else. And it's like, I'm trying. I'm really trying. But I feel like my life is in chaos mode all the time. And I just don't have enough time in the day to get everything done. And I would suggest what Dr. Billy Graham did. So he said, excuse me, I need to go ahead and more time to pray. I need to pray longer. There's something about putting Christ first, making him a priority in your life that causes everything else to seem to just fall into place. And again, it's not ignoring the work. It's just saying, God, I don't feel comfortable in my spirit right now with how things are looking for the rest of the day. And I don't have that peace in my spirit. I need to have more quality time with you. Some of you might make a decision to say, you know what? I've been getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to start getting up at 5.30 in the morning or 5 o'clock, or 4, or 4.30. I don't know what it is. I don't know what your schedules are like, but you're going to make a decision to say, I need to make more quality time with Jesus. I need to be like Dr. Billy Graham. I mean, I look at his life and his legacy that he left all of us, and look at the difference, and he was a man of prayer who understood this very principle. I'll close with this analogy that a mentor of us shared with us. And he said these words, he said, one time the Lord was teaching him to practice this very principle, to really seek him first, to put him first, to make him a priority in his life. And he said he got up, he had three big projects that day that he was you know, responsible, that he committed to doing that day. And the Lord spoke to him that morning and he said, um, I want to have more time with you. He had just had time with Jesus. He had just been reading the word and meditating and praying and he had this certain amount of time that he had put into it, and he would, he would clock his time, you know, basically saying, okay, from such and such time to such and such time I'm going to have with Jesus and his word. And He said, but this in particular day, he said, I had these three big projects that I had committed to doing, and I had just finished, or I thought I had finished, having time with the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me and said, stay a little longer with me, would you? And have a little more fellowship with me. And he looked at his clock, like, almost nervous, like, uh, uh, well you know, I've got these big commitments, Lord, and these things I need to get done. And he just felt the Holy Spirit just nudging him, saying, I want a little more time with you. So he said, okay, I respect that. Uh, You're my boss. (laughs) And so, okay. So he surrendered. He started putting more time with the Lord. A little bit later, and he checked his clock, and he thought, okay, now it's time to get to work. And the Lord said, I'd like to have a little more time with you. He said, Lord, I'm going to get myself in trouble if I, don't get back, if I don't get some work done today. So he just rolled the care over. He just trusted the Lord Jesus. A little bit later, he checks his clock again after having more time with the Lord. And he's like, okay, it's time to get to work, right, Lord? Just a little bit more time. Okay. So he has a little bit more time with them. Finally, he hears this almost like this sigh, this relief of just fulfillment or satisfaction. It's just a positive, just a thank you. Thank you for having time with me. You can go on with your day. As soon as he got up from his prayer time, a phone call came in. And he said these words, the the person said to him, he said, hey, I've got great news. I know we have this big project that we're going to be working on today, but I have great news to tell you. Everything has come together for us. I don't need your help anymore today. You are just on your own. You can just enjoy your day. Go do whatever you want to do. And he's like, wow, that was really amazing. That was miraculous because it was a big project and all of a sudden it was all taken care of. Well, right after he hung up that phone call, another phone call came in, the other big project that he had committed to. He said, hey, I just wanted to tell you, everything. I've got everything done. I, you don't, I don't need your help today. I've got everything just fell into place so gracefully. I don't need your help. He hangs up the phone. He's like, oh my goodness, what in the world is going on? Right as soon as he hung up the phone, this is a true story, a third phone call comes in for the third project that he had committed to doing that day. Hey, great news. Everything fell into place. I don't need your help today. This is just, you know, enjoy your day. Have fun. And he hung up and he thought to himself, what am I going to do with myself now today? I have nothing to do. God had already taken care of every one of those massive projects. And he had the rest of the day to just do whatever he wanted to do. Wouldn't that be great to just, from time to time, just be able to do whatever you want to do? And just have that freedom to just do whatever you want to do and not feel so under pressure. Well, this is the ticket. This is the key. Is you've got to make sure that you have quality time with the Lord Jesus. And if you do, then you're not doing things in your own strength anymore. Now you've incorporated his strength. And when you bring his strength into the picture, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. If you receive this, would you say amen? amen? Would you bow here and close your eyes, please? Father, we thank you so much for our time together today. And we just want to say thank you from the depths of our heart for just being so patient with us. You know, as we grow as believers, going from the milk to the meat and just growing stronger in your word and trusting you and developing our patience. And Lord, just making that quality time to be with you. We just want to say thank you from the depths of our heart today for being so patient with us and just teaching us, equipping us and possibly reminding us of these ABCs of faith, these very important but yet very powerful principles so we learn how to live a victorious life and to make a decision from this point on that we just won't quit. And we give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment longer, if you've never made the decision to accept Jesus or you need to recommit your life to the Lord Jesus, it would be my honor this morning to introduce you to my very best friend, and his name is Jesus. He would love to come into your heart. He would love to come and strengthen you and encourage you. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't matter what you've done right. It doesn't matter what you've done wrong today. All that really matters is what Jesus Christ has done for you. And you're saying to me, pastor, you're talking to me. I need to make that decision to accept Christ or I need to recommit my life to the Lord Jesus. I really need that strength today to finish my race here on earth. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed all over this auditorium, would you be brave enough? Would you be courageous enough just to slip up a hand all over this auditorium right now just acknowledging you need to accept Christ or recommit your life to the Lord Jesus. Thank you for your hands. Anyone else You're just saying, pastor, please pray for me as well. Thank you so much for your honesty. You can put your hands down. Anyone else? Okay, let's take a moment. Let's pray with all these wonderful people who are going to be making this quality choice, this decision to accept Christ or recommit their life to the Lord Jesus. Let's be an encouragement to them and pray with them as they call on the name of the Lord. We'll pray with them and call on the name of the Lord with them as well. Those of you who are joining us online, we'd love for you to pray this prayer with us as well. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sins. Jesus, I commit my life to you now and forever in Jesus' name. Jesus, take my life and do something with it. And I'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen amen. Would you give them a big hand clap? Just let them know how much you love them, appreciate them.